Welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 42. I'm Alan Ibrahim, and I'm joined as always by Ryan Prasad. Hello. Ryan, my good friend. How's it going? It's going pretty well. That's good. I'm excited. It's 2018. Damn it. It is. We made it. And we're joined. Resurrected from the dead. Brought back from the flames of heck. It's Katie Marie. Howdy. It's me. I'm back. I'm alive. Hey. Welcome back, Katie. (laughs) It's funny that we did make more than one joke when you were consistently on the show about you being dead or not dead. I know. And then you got to take your little sabbatical and then you were actually dead. And now you're alive and you're great and you're here. Katie's hey, not necromancy. Oh. Discla- <laughs> disclaimer for our lawyers, Katie was not Just actually Just kidding. <laughs> no necromancy. Just been alive this whole time. <laughs> Just in wait. Um, what's going on, folks? It's the first podcast of 2018. We're playing with the new format, and we're bringing back to segment one. It's the segment where we just kind of hang out and we chat more than we just did for like 30 minutes <laughs> before we <hitting> record. <laughs> um what's everybody ended up to ryan what what have you had going on in the last couple of weeks a few days ago i got back from magfest which is a gaming gaming slash music slash people get drunk convention cool uh and it was really weird i don't know let's go around though i don't want to just talk about i don't want to dive into this just yet i want to check in on everybody uh, how's Katie? Okay. We, let's check in on Katie. What, what's been going on with Katie? It's been a while. All right. Basically, um, I've been tr- doing like a lot of drawing lately. Uh, just because I've kind of figured out that's mostly what I want to do in my life as like a career and everything. So I've been trying to stay on top of that and draw every day and post my drawings and actually finish drawings. So that's been something new, which is exciting, I guess. I mean, I got a really cool new tablet to draw with, so that's been awesome. So yeah, I mean, that's mostly what's been up in my life. Do you draw the S that they do in middle school with the three lines? <laughs> <laughs> Not usually, no, but I used to when I was in middle school. Hell yeah, I started at the bottom, school. you know? Yep. Uh, I will say the stuff that I've seen of your work has been freaking amazing. It's really cool watching. I love watching people improve at stuff. And like, as you've gotten more into the groove and just like seeing all the different posts, I'm like, damn, Katie's got good at the art. Holy crap. Oh, thank you. I do my best. That's all we can do. That's, um, that's very cool. Um, what have I been up to? God, I've been watching a lot of anime. Just, just (laughs) disgusting amounts of Gundam. Um, (laughs) I've been on break from school for a couple of weeks now. It feels like an eternity. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I've been working more. And then that means in the evenings, instead of studying or like planning things, I've just been kind of having, I've had a lot of free time. So I'm um, catching up on old Gundam series, specifically uh, Gundam Wing, which is the one that I watched when I was a little baby. And um, the show's really good. All the boys are cute. It's just like, it's like one of the first Gundam shows. People know Gundam. It's like the big robot anime classic thing. Um, Gundam Wing was the one they did in the 90s that uh, is instead of just being about like we need to fight the evil empire it's like about um, politics and like how be like child soldier stuff and the stuff that Evangelion ended up also doing really well but in in making it more depressing Um, Gundam Wing does that stuff in really over dramatic cool ways like borderline Shakespearean levels of crazy um the scene i always point people to when i'm like this is why gundam wing is awesome or there's two rather um one is uh one of the like lady villains her her name is lady un 
um, is like a cool cloak wearing badass military lady. And she's talking to like a general who's standing outside the back of a plane. And he's like, oh, we need to we need to really capture the Gundams and do all the bad stuff. And she's like, yeah, 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 definitely. Wait, what's that over there? And then the dude turns around and looks outside and then she kicks him out of the plane. And you're like, wow. And then she points down and shoots him as he's falling out of the plane. Okay. Just to make sure she really got the job done. It's that kind of stuff. And you're like, wow, this is this is crazy. And then the main character, his name is Hero. He's a nice boy. Um, he meets the princess, uh, Princess Relena, who's like the, the main one of the main characters. And uh, they go to school because they go to like rich prep school. And all the girls are crowding around her because she's like, oh, I'm inviting everyone to my birthday. She hands this is the first episode, so it's not a big spoiler, but she hands him um, an invitation to her birthday, and then she's like, "Oh, I'm sure you'll be able to make it." And oh, he, he, I've seen this. <laughs> he takes the letter and rips it in front of her and in front of everyone, and then looks at her straight in the eye and goes quiet. And he goes, "I'm going to kill you." <laughs> and then fucking yeah. credits. That's the end of the episode. It's the end of the first episode of Gundam Wing. Holy shit! And then there's 49 more. It's freaking amazing that's you might have just sold me on gundam <laughs> there's another character yeah. who, who's in the forest and a bunch of wolves surround him and he yells at them for not being tough enough to take him on and then the wolves run away oh my god <laughs> it's so good if that kind of stuff is appealing to you and you're also trying to get into gundam it's really good it's like kind of weird um like sometimes the plot just kind of jumps around and they assume you know stuff but you're not supposed to know stuff because it's confusing um and they do some weird stuff, like one of the characters has um, dissociative personality disorder, and it's can't handled kind of awkwardly. Um, but it's really fun. It's really fun and weird, and and it it was my childhood in a lot of ways. It was a very w- weird and fun show. Cool. I mean, I've seen that scene that you described with the birthday invitation. Yep. Like classic. All over the internet, it's like. If somebody asks what anime is, show them this scene <laughs> because that's all you need to know. Pretty much. It sells itself really well. He falls onto Earth, rolls out of a, sh- a, sh- uh, a car, and then he like threatens her life, points a gun at her, and then he runs away. And as he's running away, she goes, hi, my name is Relena. Nice to meet you. Like, he's gone. <laughs> he's like been gone for a minute. She's introducing him herself to essentially his cloud of dust. I don't even want to be, I, I don't want to describe any more of it. It's very good. Um, people should watch Gundam Wing. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah. What um, what? Where else are we gonna take this podcast? Um, I feel like we haven't done this type of segment in a while, and I'm curious. Like, would we wanna dig into anything? Or, <laughs> I mean, I can talk about stuff that I've been watching and whatever, because that would be cool. Unless Ryan wants to. Uh, you go first. first. Okay, so. Yeah, I guess in my absence, I've <laughs> watched a lot of things. Um, I'll probably stay on brand and stick with anime. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, so the series that I watched recently that I absolutely fell in love with was Blend S. And it's kind of, I don't know, I guess it's not my usual show because I normally like things to be kind of action-y and have some sort of i don't know something other than slice of life and this is about like this essentially a maid cafe where the waitresses play characters so like there's a sundere one 
there's a little sister, there's a big sister, there's um, an idol character, and then the main character is this really shy and sweet girl, but she plays a sadistic character <laughs> because, like, she has this very naturally mean look in her eyes, and she hates it and everything, and she always gets, like, rejected from jobs because of it, but they're like, oh my gosh, you're you're absolutely perfect for this position, and she's like, oh, I mean, wow, it's really awesome to want, or to, for people to want me as me kind of thing, but she has a hard time with being mean to customers because she's like, oh, oh no, I'm so sorry, like, I don't mean to be rude, but hey. So, I don't know, it's really cute because all the different characters, like, the personas that they play in the cafe, uh, that's not how they are in real life. Um, and just how they interact with each other and everything, it's really, really cute. I don't know. It's a nice heartwarming show about, like, friendship and love and crushes on each other and stuff and there's a dog so you know all right i was pretty cool i was was skeptical at first and then he told me there was a dog so Uh yeah (laughs) and um the dog's pretty funny he's got a personality and he gets a crush on another dog that's good (laughs) dog crushes yeah his name is owner so there's some irony I was going to say, going hold on. on there. <laughs> I hope they pick that up uh, or pick up on that. Sorry, my English is not good. Ryan, <laughs> <laughs> what are you? What else are you up to? All right. Um, so I mentioned going to a convention. At that convention. The, the convention mention. Go on. <laughs> my partner kicked Ryan. off the pod. <laughs> my partner got me a Vita for my birthday. It was like an early birthday present. Um, and I started playing Read Only Memories. I started it on PC, but then switched to Vita because that's more convenient for me and how I live my life. Uh, so I played it on Vita and I finished it last night. Uh, and I love that game a lot. Um, there's something about it. It's okay. So it's like a cyberpunk game where you play as a like struggling journalist and you're like really poor and trying to make money and you're like making money by like reviewing headphones and like doing like dumb bullshit that you don't care about um and then this like sentient like robot comes into your apartment tells you that their creator is basically gone missing and uh hey you're a journalist there might be a story here so why don't you like tag along and we can like sort sort this mystery together and so the whole game you're just trying to find out what happened to this dude and uh what you know they make it a point to be like the robot that you come across is the first like sentient uh robot that has been created and like you're sort of exploring the mystery but also exploring like the ramifications of that and you know how society would uh sort of deal with like robot life and all that so yeah i don't know i thought it was really interesting there's a lot of queer characters you can choose your pronouns you can choose to be non-binary and there are also like trans characters in the story as well 
Um, and I thought that was really refreshing. And I, the, I, most of all, I really liked exploring the spaces and it's like, it's like, it's, it's an adventure game. So you're like clicking on stuff and like reading the flavor text. And I thought all that stuff was pretty well written. And like the first scene is like you like exploring your apartment and you're just like getting a feel of the world. And it does a really good job of introducing you to like the tone and, you know, establishing what, like, the society is like just through, like, the simple act of looking through your apartment. Uh, so I thought all that stuff, the world building and the characters in that game were just really well done. Uh, I, enjoyed it, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, and Alan, that's the game you played as well. Correct. I played that um, early 2017, I think, very early, like, one of the first games I finished. What's your uh, take? On, I played on PC. It's give me, I like give me it. your take. Yeah. Yeah, I like it. I had like minor problems with where it went towards the end. I feel like uh, it became a little bit too much of a game. Um, uh, the puzzles but... are definitely the worst part. For sure, and occasionally they're like super mandatory. This will mess up your ending if you get it wrong. Puzzles. Yeah. Oh. Oh no. Yeah. So you just uh, have to skate saves coming. It's bad. It is. It definitely feel they tried their best, but it still feels like a adventure at times it feels like like adventure game puzzles in a way that i didn't really care for right but i feel like some of the spaces also reminded me of old adventure games that i really liked Mm -hmm. um like a lot of the areas in that game reminded me of an adventure game i really liked as a kid called um beneath a steel sky which is an old point and click from the 90s like an old british game that no one played uh just in terms of like (laughs) it's a cyberpunk world but people live in it so it's not just like you know how in the first of oh, the opening shot of Blade Runner, you get like a bunch of smokestacks and then a big gigantic advertisement of a, J- a Japanese woman ad- like selling you something. And you're like, yeah, this is like beautiful and evocative. But like, I don't know. I don't like see somebody living here. Uh, I feel like Rom's spaces felt very lived in. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you spend an extended amount of time in a coffee shop, coffee um, shop and like a club. A nightclub that you go to back like all the t- like multiple times, and they have like yep. an arcade in the back, and you play the arcade machine, and like yep. meet all every single person in there is basically a conversation, yep. um, and you meet contacts in there. Like it manages to be all of that and a noir story and yep. um, a story about like humanity and like what we like why what differentiates us from like the people that we other. Um, mm-hmm. Really smart game, surprisingly smart game. Um, yep. I feel like not enough people played it, and I know you mentioned all of the cool representation stuff i know it actually was um funded in part like the company that worked on it is also part of um gamer x yep um so it was like their flagship game and then they also um are good friends with a lot of like the indie dev community that makes similar stuff so it kind of like led to a lot of other like me at least discovering a lot of other similar games um like valhalla (laughs) um the bartending simulator which is a very it's a different game, but it's got a similar similar vibe, similar like um Have you played that yet? It. Is that good? I played the first I'm going two to days play it. it split up into like nineteen days. So behind the scenes it, that is gonna be the game for the next uh novel not new, which is another abnormal mapping podcast hosted by Jen Colin and M. I don't know when that's gonna go up because they're on hiatus. Uh but that's gonna be I'm gonna play that for that podcast so I can listen along with it yeah it's interesting it's less um it's like a little bit less so far it seems a little bit less coherent than read all memories because it's like 
it's just people coming to your bar and talking yeah. to you as opposed to like a story happening at least which, for where i've played so yeah. far which i like that idea it's a cool idea. yeah it's a cool concept yeah um but they definitely like the worlds of the two of them are very are pretty similar mm. um but I'm, I'm glad i love i love that type of like cyberpunky humanity story um and so i'm glad i'm glad you're you enjoyed that uh more of those, please. Also, the soundtrack is really good. Super good. I still listen to it. I still listen to a bunch of the tracks from it. Like, even just, like, the walking around field music. Mm. Uh, also, like, amazing voice cast, because... Um, I didn't play history... with voice. Oh, you didn't? Nope. Shit. No. I, I didn't like it. Well, the problem is that a lot of it is, like, of borderline stunt casting, but I like the cast, though. Sure. Because um, they put out read-only memories in like 2016 and in 2017 they put out they updated it and called it 2064 colon read only memories and that's the version that you played and that i played mm-hmm. um and that's the one where they added voice acting and they added the in, the endless epilogue and uh, uh a couple of other things and like more music i think um because i know like too mellow does a lot of the music yeah. and the voice cast ranges from like a bunch of games industry people good and bad to like just like famous voice actors from anime um, like every character that you that is important in that game is voiced, um, yeah. And I a lot of the performances were really fantastic, uh, except Jim Sterling. There would no Jim Sterling is actually good because like he plays a character that is a complete asshole and all. Yes. Like he has bad politics and also he's a deadbeat dad. <laughs> like he's <laughs> terrible. Yeah. He just like sits outside of the one store and just like protests, but no one cares. <laughs> Yeah. Um. Yeah. Lot. That's yeah. That's a really fun game. I'm. I'm super glad you played that, and that's gonna lead to more stuff. Yeah. That. So that for me kicked, kicked off this like. Oh, I like this adventure game. I should play more like text based stuff. So I'm gonna play Valhalla. Um, we're obviously gonna play Doki Doki Literature Club later for this show. Um, hey. Also like. Old adventure games like Day of the Tentacle and uh, Full Throttle and oh. uh, the Phoenix Wright games I haven't played at all and I want yes. to. Uh, so stuff like that um, I want to play this year. That's I think this is the first year that I've like had a goal of like stuff I want to play. So it definitely like kicked off that for me of just like I'm going to I'm actually finished games this year. See That's if really I can good. Do that. Yeah. This is a good time for that because all of that stuff is really accessible now. Like it always was. It's not that hard to download like a DOS emulator, but mm-hmm. um, they all have like good remasters now and stuff. So it's all very all there for you. Yeah. Um, Katie, I guess just a follow up question: Like, would you say that there's anything this year, like media wise specifically, that you are hoping to get to more of? Like, you want to watch more of X type of show or play X type of game? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Like. Personally, I really want to play more visual novels um, because last year, 2017, is the year where I started, like, playing them at all in the first place. And I've come to really love them. Like, I love stories and I love the way it's like reading, but then you also have, like, some control over it and there's music and obviously the visual aspect. Um, I don't know. I've come to really love them, and so I definitely want to play a lot more this year. Um, and also Fire Emblem. Like, the Fire Emblem games, Awakening, I've never actually played. I've played pretty much all of Fates, and I played, like, 
Fire Emblem heroes on the the phone or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I really loved Fates, and I know that a lot of people don't really like it, especially people who have been fans of the franchise like previously. But Fire Emblem Fates was the first um, experience I ever had with Fire Emblem, and I really loved it. And so that has made me want to go back and play the games that everybody does love, you know? Um, specifically Awakening. And I think uh, they've recently, like, re-released some of their older games for the Nintendo 3DS. So I've been looking into that as well. Mm-hmm. Ryan was actually the one that stopped me from buying Fire Emblem Fates. Do you remember really? the script call, Ryan? Oh, was it because you hadn't played the previous one and you wanted to? It was that, and also I had like just bought Pokemon, and you were like, don't oh, do right. this to yourself. Yeah. Like, don't. <laughs> yeah, you weren't going to play it. No, you were like, you're not going to play it. Just buy it when you'll play it. And I was like, but, but. And you're like, come on, think about it. And then I didn't, and now I'm not going to play a Fire Emblem game. I don't know. I'll wait for the next <laughs> big one. Uh, I'm yeah, also I, I'm I also mean, really bad at following my own advice, and I've done that tons of times. <laughs> oh no, yeah. I mean, um, I think there's a confirmed Fire Emblem game for the Switch as part of like the main series type thing. So oh, yeah, be on the lookout sure. for that. They don't have it like super announced yet, but there's going to be one announced at some yeah. point. Yeah, for yeah, sure. So, so I'll play that one. One more games on my Switch, please. Thank you. Same. Uh, and again, novel not new, uh, is a podcast about visual novels specifically. So, if you want to, <laughs> yeah. you want to play a bunch of visual novels and then listen to a podcast about them, go listen to them. They got you covered. I mean, you played Dream Daddy, Katie. That was their first. That was their first episode. That's a good. I've heard that's yeah. a good one. Um, I did play Dream Daddy. They did uh, Narcissus for episode two, which I ended up playing along with them, and I, I really liked that game. I thought it was really cool. It's what you were just talking about, where like you can tell these cool stories, but also it's still just reading, but the visual element like feels essential yeah. and not just fluff. Yeah. Right. Um, between like the music and the uh, backgrounds and stuff, like that's all art. That's all something that someone put a lot of work into. Um, right. Yeah, that's so. exactly why I liked Read Only Memories so much, and why I was like, oh, I should play more of these. These seem cool. Right, you're doing a lot of reading, but also, like, this is a cool way to convey a story. I'm getting yeah. a lot out of this. Yeah. I don't know. I also like the fact that you play a role, you know? Like, you make decisions and you choose stuff yeah. to say. Because uh-huh. right. that, to me, makes it feel like more... Like, obviously, I'm more involved than when I'm reading a regular book. Because I get to shape the story and stuff. So. I think Narcissus specifically doesn't have any choices, right? Correct. It's a. Yeah. It's literally a novel, right? Um, I think there's something to just a visual novel without any choices, though, because it's still this like multimodal experience. You're still like looking at a character portraits and listening to music and stuff like that. And I think I think this is exactly what they were talking about on novel not new. Was just like. The question of is this a game is kind of you don't it's boring just play the damn thing. <laughs> well, because yeah, I'll, I'll, yeah, I mean a lot of the stuff that people say is like makes their favorite games what they are is lifted from visual novels. Yeah, um, yeah. The the way that like characters are developed and the even just like the pacing and the art style 
Um, and like, oh, this all feels like near Automata straight up has like very visual novel esque moments in it. And that was the game that everybody just wanted to just tell sure. me to play. I mean, there were parts of yep. that game that were just like a twine game. Yeah. So, hey, people should play more visual novels. Remember Date Night, Ryan? Oh, God. That was. <laughs> That's a... different. That's different. There are fair. about five different reasons why that failed. Yes. Uh, and one. I feel like, and I feel like it was because one, we didn't field any of the stuff we were playing, so we just played garbage. Uh, <laughs> two, we weren't really doing it earnestly enough. We were definitely giving the games a chance, but it was also just a lot of it ended up being like, this game's really bad, and we want to be done with the game, and that doesn't make for good, like a good time. Right, exactly. Yeah. Oh god, I remember the one with all the the cute dinosaurs, but then it was like you're dumb for liking other people. Or let's see. Yeah, there was shit. like one that like shamed you for playing a visual novel. Uh, Ugh. <laughs> That's cool. Why, like, and that was did... like released that like in 2016. Like that wasn't like an older one. It's like why did you make this? Why why? That we were post irony. <laughs> we're not post irony. No. We we are the uh, complete opposite. We if there if 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 irony was a swimming pool, the internet has dick and had done the fucking nosedive. Ugh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's why I'm excited um, for the game that we're going to be discussing for segment two. Yeah. So um, we're going to take a break. That. Mm. Gonna... Are we going to talk about conventions? Oh, let's talk about conventions before we take a break. Yes, sure. Okay. Ryan, you went to a convention, convention time. I went to MAGFest, which, like, a few, I guess it was a week ago now, uh, and it was, like, my first big convention. Like, I've been to, like, a smaller one where it was, like, maybe, like, 100 people max, um, but then this one was just a ton of people in a hotel, uh, and mixed feelings. I don't know. You, y'all have been, y'all have had more experience with this do you all remember like your first time being one and like what your sort of like reactions were yep yes uh katie go ahead what, what was okay. your first one i think you had gone to them before me even yeah my first convention was actually dragon con so okay. the first convention i ever went to was huge like absolutely massive <laughs> because dragon con is the biggest sci-fi convention on the east coast so, um, I was just, I don't know, completely blown away because I'd always felt, I don't know if I would say alone, but there, there's not like a lot of people who are into the same things as me that I've like physically met with and like that being anime and cosplay and, you know, just nerdy shows and stuff because, you know, I, I have like however many people I can count on my fingers that were my friends that were into those same things. Um, so when my, cause my family is a whole bunch of nerds too, both my dad and my mom. So <laughs> we all went to Dragon Con together when I was in middle school and I actually cosplayed. So the first convention I ever been, I'd ever been to, I did cosplay as shell from portal. Nice. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was so cool because there were all of these celebrities that I knew and people who had been in shows that I loved and, like, shows that formed my childhood, essentially, like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Millennium and all of this stuff. I got to meet all of these people 
and be around people who are also cosplaying and who are into the same things as me. And I could go to the dealer's room and buy all of this really great merchandise where, like, I could buy shirts from my favorite shows. I could buy little plushies that I think are really cute. You know, I don't know. But it's just really cool. And so, basically, ever since then, my family, we go to Dragon Con every year. Um, and... I don't know. It was just really positive. It was a really positive experience for me, and it kind of always has been. So, it's something I look forward to doing every single year. So yeah. Middle school—that's very early. I mean, yeah. Obviously, you had like <laughs> parents with you, but I imagine that must have been like very overwhelming. I mean, yeah. Um, there. <laughs> I hate to say this, but <laughs> there were there were people who were like trying to hit on me and then i was like yeah i'm in eighth grade Whoa. and then they're like okay uh bye um Ugh, basically God. but um i mean other than that i kind of just I, I mean like i didn't have friends who went with me or a boyfriend who went with me at that point so i was just constantly like by my dad's side and my mom's side so it wasn't that bad um because i did have my parents with me but I don't know. It's a lot of people. If you have problems with claustrophobia, then yep. <laughs> you're going to have a hard time, especially at Dragon Con, because, like, even though the panels and stuff are held in actual ballrooms, so it's really big, like, when you're walking from one hotel to the other, like, down the street, and especially when you're waiting at, like, crosswalks and stuff where the streetlights change, oh, that that's a lot of people. That's all I'll say. It's a lot of people. And even at restaurants and stuff like that. Although I guess it, it it's different because of the scale of the convention, but there's a lot of people there. So that was a little hard to deal with. And it's in the south. And it's in the summer. So everybody's sweaty. It kind of stinks. <laughs> but, you know, it is what it is. Um, I don't so, know. Other than that, yeah, yeah. it's we pretty had, cool. We had the opposite problem at MacFest, where it was the coldest week it has been so far. It was like my partner looked at her like the weather app at some point and was like, "Oh, it's gonna be the high today is gonna be 13 degrees." Oh <laughs> no! Just like fuck. That's so, the, so cold. The original plan we had was like we're gonna commute back and forth from from her place to the hotel uh, and. By the end of the first night, we were like, this isn't going to happen. This is hell. Um, <laughs> and uh, one of our friends, like, uh, offered to, like, have us... Because they had, like, an extra bed. So we crashed at their place instead, um, which was really nice of them. Uh, but, yeah, I was so... Like, just the opposite problem of, like, you, you don't want to go outside. Just stay in here. It's <laughs> warm in here. Just don't go outside because you're going to die. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, and it was like it's near like a harbor, so there's like ocean water, which makes it worse. Yeah, it's, yeah, it was a whole deal. Um, uh, but I feel like so. I feel like there might be a difference between a like a games convention and like a sci-fi convention. I feel like yeah. like a sci science fiction convention is like much broader and like maybe attracts more people. Whereas yeah, it yeah it definitely does. Whereas like, because... like a Magfest or like a PAX or something, you have like a more like insular like games people, and I feel like a lot of times games culture 
uh, uh-huh. shows up in these conventions in really like uncomfortable ways where it's like, Aww. you know, obviously there's good, there are like, you know, queer people of color stuff like that at these conventions. It's not like they're completely invisible, but it's also this aspect of like, you know, there are definitely going to be the people who just, you know, don't like care to know any better or like is completely deep in the toxic parts of the culture um and like navigating that's really exhausting um for me and also just like whenever you go to like a games convention or at least in my experience so far it's it's about it's a lot about like celebrating games and like nostalgia and like hey games are awesome games make us feel good and it's like rarely about like how do we make this space better for more people like it uh, it, MAGFest felt like a vacation for a lot of people and it rarely felt like a place where we can like come together as a community and like learn from each other and stuff like that where like I had that experience at like Intervention which was like a much smaller convention which was more like I guess creator oriented but it was still just like kind of a little bit of a bummer to be like you know navigating these like spaces that are like uncritical of the stuff that they love in a way that kind yeah. of frustrated yeah. me. I don't know. That's a that's a very good point. I think that's that's like a huge reason why I burned out on PAX after oh god, 6 years of going mm-hmm. uh consecutively um was I was just tired of I mean, a the feeling that since it's a games convention, a lot of people like uh that are into games are like so goal-oriented that they like treat going to conventions like work even if they're just there for fun like i gotta check out x number of things or else well yeah i didn't yeah and in some ways it does feel like work because there's a lot of stuff to see and a lot of stuff overlaps so you gotta be like which do i want to see this more than this and you know what am i okay like missing yeah yeah Yeah. you gotta gotta plan shit out and that's really stressful especially if it's your first time yeah for sure my first time uh at pax which i think was 2012 um i had just it was like the the right before I graduated from high school. So just like me and a couple of friends went and we were like, this is a lot, this is wild. I don't like, we barely, we barely actually did anything. And that was the point where I still like, didn't know how to comfortably talk to strangers. So I would like walk by people I had watched on like the internet for years and been like, I don't know how to say hi. I don't know how to talk to you. (laughs) Um, And then like literally two, three years later, I'm like interviewing indie devs there for my, my now defunct blog. (laughs) Like, (laughs) times change um but i I don't know there were things i liked about pax ultimately it was really fun to meet people um like your internet friends there Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. um my like ultimate conclusion was like all the stuff i enjoy about this could just be accomplished by like getting a hotel in the city or like hanging out like crashing with someone for a weekend um when they're in town or something and not needing to use the convention as an excuse to meet your friends right yeah Uh, because that was ultimately, like I said, that was like what I found the most fun. I was like, oh, you're going to be in town? Great. Let's go get a drink. And that does not require the overexpensive passes and problematic nature inherent in going to PAX, I guess. Right. So I'm not going this year. This is the first year that I'm not going since I started. Um, Dang. Yeah. But, I'm ex- I, but I am excited for it for people, to, again, to, to be here and to be free so I can go to Boston and, and like meet our uh, our friends. Mm-hmm. But um, 
the idea of conventions, yeah, like you said, it's very, it can feel very stressful. It can feel very, um, like your brain is like trying to like fit in or think about like 18 different things at once. Yeah. Um, yep. Like I definitely spent a significant amount of my last two packs in the, like they have like a room that's just all bean bags where you can just like charge your 3DS and like sit on a bean bag and just veg. And I got, I like hung out there for a significant chunk of it. And I was like, I could just go home. I could just go home and do this. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> I'm stepping away from the crowd to be by myself, which is where I'm the most comfortable anyways. But, um, they're interesting. It's, it's, it's something worth going to like once or twice. Um, but for some people it's a ritual and that, that was kind of where I stopped enjoying it was making the ritual of it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I can definitely understand that. Like, okay. So like not this past year, but the year before at Dragon Con, that was the absolute worst experience I'd ever had. Like, and so this past year I kind of dreaded going because like with my back problems and chronic pain and stuff like that, I was like having a really hard time walking around. Um, and basically the hotel we were staying at was like kind of far away. Um, and they had buses that would like take you to the convention, but at the same time, like the buses schedule was terrible. And so I don't know, it just didn't work out very well. So I kind of had to walk back and forth anyway. And that was bad. Uh, and I tried cosplaying and like wearing like little Lolita outfits and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But Uh-oh. like those are giant heels. Yeah. And so uh... the walking was made worse. My back was hurting. I was like super uncomfortable. We couldn't make it to like any of the panels because they were like basically far away. And so I spent like the whole time in the hotel room and it was not fun. Like I even cried. But. I don't know. This past year, um, it seems like at Dragon Con specifically, because that's basically the convention I go to, they seem to do better with um, disability stuff because before major panels, they played videos about like the disability services and stuff that they had. And like my mom and I this year went and got disability passes so we could essentially like skip standing in lines because my mom has arthritis and I broke my back. So we have a hard time like standing and walking around. So there's like a disability seating section. And that's really awesome because now I can like go to a panel and sit there and I don't have to just like stand in a line for forever. And we also stayed at one of the host hotels this year. So we were like literally word right there with everything so that was also really nice because i didn't have to walk like two miles to even get to the convention in the first place so yeah i don't know this year was honestly like my best experience with that because of like the disability stuff it made it so much easier for me to go to panels and everything Mm -hmm. i don't know that was really awesome um but also i kind of think Dragon Con. I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just talking about Dragon Con, but it's okay. my convention. That's the con, you know? yeah. So, um, they have like different tracks. Like, there's a robotics track and a sci-fi track and a video game track. But they also have an LGBT track, um, which I think is really cool. And they have a lot of panels oriented around like LGBT representation in games and how to make it better and how this show deals with it and also like women in pop culture kind of thing 
and they have like meetups and group things and dances. So I really like that aspect of it. And I've never personally come across anybody who's been nasty gamer culture dude at Dragon Con. So that's really nice. And they also have signs that emphasize, like, cosplay is not consent. So, I don't know. It might be just because, like you were saying, the label of sci-fi encompasses so much more than just video games. And so there's, like, a, a lot more culture to bring in. And I think that inclusion is really cool. And it makes me feel safe, I guess, um, because I can, like, go to those panels and not be afraid of people who might be waiting outside of them, I guess, because there's just, like, people with the same experiences and everything. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, The few events that I went to that were focused on, like, representation and stuff like that at MacFest were good. I just didn't get to, I didn't have a chance to go to a lot of them because of time constraints and all that stuff. But yeah, right. for sure. Um, another thing too is like, especially with like cosplay and stuff is like, I've seen this, so I don't, it's hard to tell how earnest this is about like men dressing up as women characters. Right. Sometimes as a joke, maybe not, but yeah. like. You well, get... I mean, it's like it's like when the super hairy dude wears yeah. like yep. you know a Sailor Moon outfit and stuff. Like, it's obviously ninety percent of the time a joke. Yeah, like, and that stuff sucks. And it's not like you can like say anything. There's not really a course of action you could take. And it's just like right. I saw that a lot at MacFest, and it yeah it bothered me. Um, also you can, so the backfest is like, oh, play arcade games, play like console games. Yo, bring hand sanitizer. Holy shit. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's <laughs> oh, all Oh my cons. God. Yeah. Super no, duper. I, Anything that I, involves a lot of like touching things that everyone else has touched. Yeah. No, I like picked up a controller and was just like, this just feels like a germ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it like feels like I'm getting sick right now. Just holding this. Yeah. I do get sick after every Dragon Con. I will say that. I pretty mm-hmm. much get, like, strep throat every time. Even if I don't, like, touch anything. Mm-hmm. Wash your hands! Yeah, Bring I hand looked, sanitizer. I lucked out. I felt like I got, like, kind of sick during it, and then I took a nap, and then I felt a little bit better. <laughs> relatable. <laughs> well, hey! I Super mean, naps relatable. are great. Uh, also, like, people shouldn't be afraid to take naps, because it's so easy to feel guilty whenever you need to, like, take a break. That's yeah. just life. That's just being a millennial. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to know. not feel guilty when you need to take a break. Yeah, but um, but yeah, definitely find somewhere to rest your head or something, or charge your phone and just like decompress. Veg on a beanbag. Exactly. It's cool to do. Exactly. Um, but I want to. Yeah, I want. I definitely want to. I'm going to try to go to more more conventions. I think you all mentioned panels. I've really liked the panels that I've been to uh, that I've had checked out um, over the years. I think I want to host one. I think I think it's time for that to happen. We should host yeah. one. We should I'm host ready. one. I'm ready for Fireside I've Friends. I thought about that because the Dragon Con has a podcasting track and I'm like Fireside Friends, hello? 
Hello? <laughs> Where's our panel? <laughs> I would so fucking do it. It would be a chance for us to meet and for t- to bring our specific brand of <laughs> weird to uh yeah. to a con. Yeah. I've heard that stuff about stuff getting approved, like just like any random rando getting approved uh for a uh, a panel is really hard. Yeah. At least specifically for, for packs. Um but we could like get a GameRex panel going, why not? Fuck it. It's 2018. Yeah. 2018's the year of panels. People will wait. (laughs) I won't. This obviously wouldn't be us anytime soon, but people will wait three, four hours in line to just see Giant Bomb talk in a room for an hour. Yeah. And like throw pies at each other or whatever the fuck they do on their current panels. (laughs) I'm not not at all far from the truth. But so like, I don't know. People, I think people would flock. I would, people would check it out. Why not? Uh, we'd have so people would check it out, but it wouldn't be a lot of people. So that's fine. Do you want that's us not, a that's not to a say that that's a, that's not to say it wouldn't happen, but also okay, but it's a double edged sword, right? I would have social anxiety if a lot of people were in a room. I'd also feel bad if no one showed up, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I've heard stories what? of stuff like that at anime cons where it's like this thing is way too niche. And nobody listens to it or cares about it, but they got approved. So, oops, you're gonna get an, you're gonna get an empty room. Yep. We have we have friends in high places. If you want to yeah, get we... us on a podcast convention, uh, panel thing, please let us know. Let's make it happen. Yeah. Podfest. <laughs> yeah. Go, Podcon. San Francisco Podfest or whatever the hell that is. It's the McElroys, <laughs> and then they're and then we kick them off, and then it's us. We're going to have Mark Marin on the podcast. <laughs> cool. All right. We're going to interview Mark Marin. I'm down. I uh, always go to his panels at Dragon Con, so. <laughs> does, does he go to Dragon Con? Yeah, he cosplays and stuff, too. It's great. What? He always, yeah, he, like, almost always cosplays as His uh, news Colonel just Shepard. broke you. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Who does he cosplay as? Shepard. Oh, okay. that's super good. And he had, like, this cosplay this past year where he had an alien baby in, like, one of those chest carrier things. So. Mark. (laughs) (laughs) I love referring to, like, famous internet men by just their first name. Mark. Yeah. (laughs) Like, my, my favorite joke to come out of the other podcast is calling Aaron Sorkin Aaron whenever he does something stupid or misogynist and you're like Aaron (laughs) 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 it's really good but yeah let's um, let's make it happen what's up David David Mr. Lynch no not Mr. Lynch David Dave (laughs) do you think he's ever been called I was was referring to David Cage but okay close enough (laughs) David that's my dad's name David (laughs) David. Oh God, what a what a thing! But yeah, I want to. Yeah, I was basically just gonna say I want to try going to more different conventions. Um, I've also been to Boston Comic Con. That was a lot. I went once in like 2013. It was way that smaller. That seems like it. Okay, it's smaller. Okay, I was about to say anything with the Comic Con in the title just makes me no. Nervous. Basically, San yeah. Francisco and New York are the crazy Comic Cons, and the rest of them are like. Chill. It was actually comic book creators, and there we, the, the only panel we went to was like a bingo thing hosted by fans. Uh, yeah, I, like, I was like, that's <laughs> we it. We have a comic con. Like, okay, so Columbia 
is shortened to COLA all the time. So our Comic-Con is Soda City Comic-Con, and it's kind of not poppin', I guess. Like, <laughs> so they it's have... not soda poppin'? No, it's not. They have no panels because the idea is to make a convention purely out of uh, dealers, I guess. Mm, like, okay. it's all all merchant-based, and so that's all you have to do. Like, you just walk around the dealer room, and, I mean, obviously they have cool stuff, and it's really awesome to see, like, local creators and stuff like that, but, I mean, once you do a lap around all of the people selling stuff, it's like, okay, what do I do now? That was ten minutes, so... Does it cost money to get in? Yep. Okay. <laughs> that's, a re- that's a retailer con, basically. <laughs> yep. That's what it sounds like. I've heard of those. I don't know. I was very not impressed at all with with our 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 Comic Con here, but <sighs> it was also very small. It was only yeah. in like one ballroom. So right. the the most famous person that was at Boston Comic Con that year was like some Z, like C list character from The Walking Dead was just like hanging out for a couple hours and then left. Right, and it was like that was the the big deal. Nothing with The Walking Dead, eh, but but I mean. Yeah, they're not exactly attracting huge crowds, which is fine. Like, I actually got to meet comics creators. I got to meet the guy who writes fables. And I was too young at the time to ask him, hey, yo, why is your comic so clearly an uh, anti-Palestine metaphor? (gasps) Oh, no. Hold on. He autographed my copy of the first volume. (laughs) (laughs) There's always next year. Goodness. Conventions conventions uh magfest was super unclear about how you can get autographs so yeah didn't you have to like pay to get a license you had to read you had to read you had to register and i didn't know you had to register okay that's weird if you don't register you have to wait in a separate line and if the like line for like registered folks like clears then you might be able to get an autograph. But, so I just um and yeah, this this was for uh Temi Chang who worked on Undertale, uh, and I I just left because I was like it's not gonna be worth my time if it doesn't work out. Even if it does, like I don't know. I'd rather just spend my time elsewhere. Like that's just a hassle. It should make that more clear. Come on. Yeah, that's that's weird. Even yeah. Dragon Con doesn't do that. Like if you have a ticket. You can just go and get an autograph from somebody. I mean, like, normally the celebrities charge their own prices for, like, signatures and pictures and stuff. But, I mean, I don't know. I think that's a really not chill way to handle it with yeah, the register like... thing. And the guy, the guy at the, like, desk, like, scanned someone's badge and then just went like, you're not registered. So I was just like, fuck oh, this. I'm leaving. Okay. Yeah. <sighs> it sucked. There's nobody to get it nobody I want to get an autograph from at PAX. Um at Boston Comic Con, Billy West uh was there. Um Fry from Futurama as in addition to being a bunch of other voices in cartoons. Um, like in a corner behind a wall behind a pay like a payment. You had to pay mm. to line up to get his autograph. And it was like cool. I, I what it's he's a voice actor like yeah he's great i like futurama a lot but like he's a dude (laughs) yeah yeah just a person 
a doctor pronounces her dead, not not the news. <laughs> Sorry, I had to slide in another newsroom reference. I'm a, I can't be stopped. <laughs> Ugh, boy. 2018 is the year of stopping Alan. <laughs> <laughs> you can't do it. You can't do it. You know, cut back to this clip in twenty at the end of 2018 and see if I was stopped. It won't happen. I'll be here. <laughs> Anyways, folks, that was a lot of fun. Um, shall we take a little break and we'll be back? Yeah. Okay. Uh, after this, we're going to be discussing our game club this month, our, our club this month, our shared experience. It's Doki Doki Literature Club. See ya. Doki Doki. Literature Club. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Ryan. Just wanted to slide in here with some content warnings for the Doki Doki Literature Club segment. Um, the game deals with themes of suicide and self-harm in ways that are pretty bad. Uh, so heads up for that stuff. We'll be talking pretty candidly about that stuff. Um, so if you're super sensitive to uh, talking about that stuff in an open way, uh, maybe skip this part of the show. Um, also, uh, content warnings also for transphobia, because the Doki Doki Literature Club community seems like it's full of great people. But, uh, yeah, that's it. Um, listen at your own discretion, and uh, if you feel like you need to bow out of this one, just know that next month we are talking about The Circle, uh, the movie based on the novel by Dave Eggers. Uh, I chose this one. It's pretty bad. Um, you can maybe look at a plot synopsis. I was forced to read it freshman year of college. It's not great, but, uh, I'm interested in what the film looks like, and, uh, I'm sure we'll have some great discussions about it. That's it. I hope you enjoy the show. Fireside friends. For this month, we're going to be discussing 2017's Doki Doki Literature Club, which was a visual novel developed by Team Salvato, uh, and it came out September 22nd, 2017. Ryan, Katie, Hi. what? Oh, <laughs> oh God! <laughs> we played the we played uh, we played what mo- when it, what many have called 2017's Undertale. Oh, Ryan, with that in mind. <laughs> Ryan, with that in mind, what did you think? You just took a knife and just stabbed it in my chest. Aww. <laughs> Why? Uh, what happened? You didn't love it? So here's the thing. Is like, I think this game has a lot of potential. I, like, the idea of, like, a visual novel that's, like, super cutesy and uh, sort of maybe, like, inviting when you first play it for, like, a few hours 
and then it turns into like a horror game on a dime. I think that idea is really cool. Um, like I like visual novels and I like horror stuff and I like when games subvert your expectations. But the way it is handled in Doki Doki Literature Club uh, leaves a bit to be desired for various reasons that we can get to later on. But uh, it sort of fell flat for me uh, most of the way through. So that's kind of where I am right now with it. Uh, and then, Katie, I guess because you played this like long before either of us did, what did you think of it, As, especially like when you first played it? Um. So basically, I... I don't know. I have conflicting feelings about it because, like Ryan said, I love visual novels and I love horror stuff. And so the idea of it, I was like absolutely in love with that. It was like super cutesy, super inviting. And then, oh, gosh, like, wow, it's super scary. But um, I felt like the tropes that it used to be scary are kind of what fell flat to me and Mm -hmm. although I've like read about it and around it and the idea was for it to be different in that respect and that it's supposed to be more psychological than like jump scare I don't know it felt kind of shallow to me and it was like if you want to kind of discuss these topics I think there's a better way to do it than how it was handled I guess and it's like, mental illness is super scary. Mentally ill people are scary. Mm, not my cup of tea. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Lots of, uh, like, playing with the player expectations, which I think is where the really simple, like, Undertale connection comes from, obviously, is because it acknowledges that you're playing a game. And obviously the villain, uh, like, stares at you directly in, through the camera and, and plays and breaks down the fourth wall after a certain point. But, like... I didn't feel like I was just waiting. I just kept. I spent the whole time waiting for it to do that. Like I liked the 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 romance story and like the beginning where everything was very wholesome and good. Uh, but I just felt like it was spinning its wheels and like nothing was happening because like the visual novels I like are telling a linear story. Um, and the especially like the dating sims that I don't like are the ones where it's like talk to this person, go on a date with them. And then buy them stuff and then go on another day with them and repeat like seven times until you learn a couple new things about them and then it's done and then you kiss them. And it was doing that in this game for a while and then just suddenly, you know, it kind of hints at some stuff early on. You get the first hinting that, uh, okay, this might be a little weird. Something might be a little off with this this Monica person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, some things kind of devolve. And depending on which girl you're basically with, seeking a relationship with, uh, that you start to learn some things about them, which get kind of dark. And then it all just kind of spirals really quickly. And then it stays there for right. the rest of the game. That I guess that's also what kind of... I don't know. I felt like the spiral was so fast, and then it kind of like stayed at the same level for the rest of the game, which was the majority of the game for me. Because, like, you play out three days, you know? And the first day is when everything starts going south and then for the entire rest of the game it's like the creepy setting but at that point like you already know everything's creepy or or quote-unquote creepy you already know everything's gone south so and honestly like spoiler i felt like the most shocking i guess i'm doing air quotes with my fingers here um Mm -hmm. but i just realized you can't see that so anyway the most (laughs) 
shocking scene to me was Sayori's death. And so after that, Uh like, climax ended, I was like, okay, well, everything's just kind of, like, here now, I guess. I don't know. (laughs) I kind of felt the opposite. Really? I I played the... So, I don't know. I, I... I I took my time with the first section. I was just like getting to know all the characters, and you know, really invested in like, oh, I'm gonna probably pursue Yuri and like write write these like really pretentious poems and stuff like that. And then the third day hits, and the suicide scene happens, and then it kind of goes back to like quote unquote normal, where she's not there, but you're still playing the game. And, like, glitches and stuff happen, but it it also, like, just felt like going through the motions again, where, like, you have to button through the same dialogue again. Yeah. And I think that, that was kind of the point, but, I yeah, mean, I can understand I, how it feels, like, but, yeah. tiring, I guess. It, especially if when you do, like, do it, like, a third time, you're, like, listening to the conversations again in that, like, third act. I was just like, all right, I get it. She likes manga. Let's move on. <laughs> Because, <laughs> because again, I spent so long in that first section where, like, nothing happens. And I was, like, already invested in that stuff. So I was just like, all right, I know these characters. Let's let's go to the next beat. I felt like there was a lot of, like, pacing problems. Because, like you said, you hit that suicide part and it's like, all right, so this game is going to do a thing. And then it doesn't for a while. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. Let's, I mean, let's lay some groundwork for what's going on and what we're talking about. Basically, yeah. You're playing as traditional dating sim, uh, cute boy protagonist, anime boy, and uh, you're, you're going to a club, and then this girl, your friend, your childhood friend Sayuri, invites you to the literature club at school, uh, and it's run by this girl Monica, and you have this girl Yuri, who's sort of like the cool, cute goth girl who reads, uh, and Sayuri's in there, and Monica's kind of like the tough leader, and then I always forget the name of the girl in the pink. She's kind of like the mascot. Natsuki. What is it one more time? Natsuki. Yeah, yeah. so Natsuki... The aka the one that I never talked to. Uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I know. Well, I'm curious because I I know about you. She seemed pretty cool actually. Um, and you're talking to all these girls and you're kind of getting to know them and, and getting ingratiated into the club. And then, um, I guess depending on who you pursue, they they start to reveal really dark personal things about themselves. Um, I chose to pursue Yuri as well. Um, just because I you got it you got the goth GF you got it. <laughs> Yeah, it just seemed appropriate. That's so interesting. Uh, uh, well, to be fair, my girlfriend did say Yuri is like me, and I felt validated. That's <laughs> see, that's what Eli said about me, but I I definitely did not like pursue Yuri first because sorry to interrupt. I'll I'll, I'll say it later. I was holding. Okay. <laughs> finish with the finish with the synopsis. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, basically, yeah, you, you start learning some weird things about them in the case of Yuri. I mean, she's in a cult. She likes pain. Um, she wants you to hurt her. She wants you to, like, physically, like, brutalize her, essentially, and does has all these, like, really fucked up thoughts. Um, and then it's also revealed that Monica is, like, pitting these girls against each other to make them hate each other uh, behind the scenes. And that also, what she really wants to do is to get you, the player, not the protagonist, but you, the player, uh, to be with her because she... At some point, gained sentience, um, and through all of her machinations, it leads to um, Sayori, um, who already has a lot of problems with like anxiety and depression, um, committing suicide. And uh, at that point, the the story just kind of 
seems to stagnate for a second and then it gets really dark and then the girls start killing themselves and then finally uh monica basically isolates you and traps you in like the eternity prison of the game and starts fucking with your save and you have to kind of climb out of the fourth wall and delete her out of the game to sort of reset things but then whether or not it works is kind of where the endings kind of diverge so it's a weird premise and it has a lot of different layers to it um but I'm so, curious what you were just talking about, Katie. Like, what? Can I um, can I say something real quick though? Yeah, yeah it was um, good. Uh, I think the important part to point out is the way that the story is unfolding to you as a player is like, oh, Sayuri has depression and then she kills herself. Uh, Yuri has all these mental problems, like she self harms and does all this stuff, and then uh, it is taken to an extreme. Like all these characters are presented as having like problems with like their mental illness and stuff like that and then mm-hmm. it goes to the extreme by like showing you something graphic as a result and it isn't until the very end of the game where it is revealed uh that monica has been sort of manipulating their emotions uh to do that yeah. stuff um which is where a lot of my problems with the but aside from like portraying that stuff way too graphically and just wait like really exploitatively the added like reveal that it was all monica's doing because she artificially changed the mental states of her friends was really disgusting yeah i can agree with that too i guess the issue with with monica sort of the monica problem if you will is that you can tell a story about mental illness and about how uh you know, the environments that they're put into in the scenario, like the lives that they live are really stressful as young high school girls. And then that just sometimes gets too hard for some people. And that's like a sensitive topic that you can handle, but to sort of brush it away and be like, Oh, it was like this malevolent AI murder princess, whatever kind of like soils that and makes it feel less serious and more just like, it's the villain's fault. It's fine. Well, if it wasn't, if it wasn't about mental illness, it would be fine. Like, I like Undertale. Undertale does a very similar thing with its meta like stuff, um, but it, it isn't about like combating mental illness. It's about camaraderie and like friendship and like working against people like people who have like a step like people who have the system figured out and can work against you and like defeating that like systemic exploitation. This is just like the girls are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I guess like that's that's what bothered me about it too because it's like, oh look, Yuri cuts herself, and here's like a very brief graphic image of it. Isn't that scary? And it's like, um, I mean, no, <laughs> not really. Right. It's just a little disturbing, but not in the sense of like a uh, horror. Just disturbing in the sense of like, I don't know, somebody hurting themselves is upsetting. Yeah, right. Yeah, and it's like. You know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I, I just don't like the trope that mental illness and its symptoms are horror content, I suppose. Yeah. It's it's actually, it's ground that's treaded a lot in, in modern horror media. Um, but, like, Silent Hill was doing this kind of idea better <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> like, the idea of, like, mental illness is at least uh, the horrifying things can, can work. Not, not the 90s. <laughs> Silent Hill 2 was like 2000s but like that's the good one okay so then yeah the 2000s um 
but but like this this type of material has been handled well and like you said ryan like if it wasn't about that i don't know i if this game was just like the relationship between the like how the player treats the the different characters in dating sims and sort of like itemizes them and and game yeah and it tried it seems like it wants to try to do that but in the worst way possible where like your main character uh like your main character i absolutely hate how it's written because it's like your character makes it clear from the start like i want to hook up with someone yeah if i'm if i'm in this literature club with like four other women I'm going to hook up with one of them. Yeah. But, that... but then but then everything else about your character is like, oh, wow, you're so understanding. Wow, you're so level-headed. You can, you know, the perfect things to say to everybody to make them feel good. And it's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too with that stuff. And it does that where it's like, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hook up with someone. Also, these girls are programmed to like me. That's not really an effective commentary if you're already starting at the dude wants to hook up with the you know i don't know right i mean yeah that that is also what was like i guess the most off-putting for me because all the visual novels i play are either female protagonist or they're boys love games with like yeah uh, gay so the fact that i am like this oh i love me some girls gonna get the titties like i don't know that's how i felt about this dude <laughs> this dude being <laughs> the main super character unlikable he's super yes. like i was but, like okay, so... i don't have these thoughts i wouldn't say this <laughs> right because i like learning about the characters and and like having them reveal some deeper truth that's like meaningful and uh uh sort of intimate like i think the moment where you first are reading with yuri and then like the two of you are holding the book together is like really intimate and nice with none of the f- the future context, because um, it's just the two of you reading it, like enjoying literature together. Literally, like what the literature club is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. It feels very appropriate. It's very um, sort of cute, um, and it's a little bit like high school flirty in a way, but it works. And then later on, they're like, "Oh, you know, she wanted to touch your skin, and she wants to cut herself, yeah. and all this stuff." And you go to her house, and she has all these weird items around. Like, I think. Ultimately, what what makes that metaphor not work is that the girls at the end of the day, like the other th- um, the other three, aren't that important. It ends up being a story about like you versus Monica in a way, because right. like as the player, yes, you're doing all these choices that you think are going to lead to you dating one of these girls or hooking up with one of these girls, and they even put in this like completely, I think, completely bullshit uh, poetry game <laughs> where yeah. you pick words. <laughs> And then their heads bounce, and you feel like you're doing well, but like it probably doesn't matter. Right. Um, and then also, so you, you're thinking. I just wanted to add too that the game mostly revolves around Sayuri, Yuri, mm-hmm. and Monica. At a certain point, the other character doesn't even have a route. Yeah, like, Natsuki. They're like basically. Um, like, yeah, you're forced into into Yuri's route, like after Sayuri. Uh, yeah, because you're, basically, you're, yeah. if you if you pursue her, the game like gives you a bad ending, pretty much. Well, that's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because Yuri's jealous, and then doesn't she like kill um, you or something or whatever? She kills herself. Okay. Well. Oh, I've seen this cutscene. Yeah, because I know. Um, 
This game, for some reason, expects you to want to get all the endings because there's like a best ending. There is. I got that one. Heck yeah. So, Katie, break that down. So, basically, you you have to go through from the beginning, completely restart, and separately pursue each girl. Yeah. You uh, have to you have to uninstall the game and reinstall it completely in order to get the files back to the way they were because, like, after you play the game initially and after Sayuri kills herself, basically, you can't go back. Um, it's considered, like, you have to start the game as a brand new day. Um and so I uninstalled the game, reinstalled it, and you have to save Scum before Sayuri kills herself. So you just go through and play the game and play everybody's, like, first initial route, and you have to get every piece of art. They're called CG art, and it's like, you know, the scene where you eat chocolate with Yuri and, like, you're baking with Oh, all the different bespoke images, basically? Yep. Yeah. You, you get all of those, and then at the end of the game, um, after, like, Monica deletes herself or whatever, um, all the girls kind of come together and thank you for trying to make them all happy. And they're like, that wasn't lost on us, and we appreciate it, and that kind of thing. Um, and then, like, you're left with this letter from the creator, and he's kind of like, wow, good job on getting to the cool ending, the secret ending. That means that you're super dedicated and blah, blah, blah. Here's why I love visual novels. Thank you for playing kind of thing. And um, not to sound dismissive, I'm just trying to sum up. And um, I mean, otherwise, Monica is like, oh, just kidding. Like, this game is bad. There's no way that you can have a good ending because it all just kind of repeats itself if you don't do the make everybody happy quote-unquote thing yeah there's a couple of hard stops in there where if you just kind of let the game play and try to play it normally you'll never progress anymore uh like if you try to restart without deleting a save you're just going to keep getting to somebody um either kill i think killing you or just like killing everyone like you just you keep getting cut your endings cut short uh or if you get to what a scene that i actually kind of liked the first time i played it because i was playing it very late at night um which is when you're in like the infinity classroom with monica mm-hmm. and she just stares at you and says like we're just gonna talk here forever i and they thought, wrote like okay. I hours of dialogue cool. for that scene. i thought that was cool i yeah. thought that was cool i thought, I thought that like, was cool too i thought that was cool i thought going in and like deleting the completely fake character files they're oh, fake yeah. they're not real but like going in and just like oh i gotta go into the game files and delete her like that was cool and then like I mean, the game also registers, like, what platform you're playing it on. Yeah, what pl- if you're playing it on Steam and also if you're, like, recording it and stuff, yep. which is cool. Yeah, and and then she'll, like, refer to you as whatever name you have on your Steam profile instead of, like, your display name, you know? Oh, really? She didn't yeah. do oh, yeah, that for yeah. me. She she'll, didn't do that for me. Yeah, basically, um, she'll be like, your name is really so-and-so, isn't it? Um, because, like... Mine is different. Like, I entered a different name versus what my name is on Steam. And so she right, okay, was like, yeah. so oh, the, your your name is actually Katie, isn't it? Or something like that. <laughs> and it's like, what? But yeah. Oh, um, no. You know what it is? It's uh, if you if your name is different from what it is on your, like, uh, Windows name or whatever operating system, like, you're on. Like yeah. whatever name you put in, it's like if you did a different username, 
in the game than that one, then she acknowledges that, which yep. I didn't do because I'm just Ryan on my PC <laughs> and I was Ryan in the game. So, yeah, I like all of that glitchy stuff. I think the even though like the aesthetic of like the text box is starting to fall apart and like you try to load a save and it's like save corrupted, save corrupted, even though you have like you they give you spaces for like 80 saves. They give you a heck ton of uh of save slots and they're all useless because once the game gets to a certain point it doesn't matter what save you load right yeah um but speaking of saves coming katie you mentioned earlier um the scene where sayuri um kills herself and you get you like clearly get a choice at the beginning of that or right before it happens that is meant to make you feel like it was your fault yeah god it's not it happens either way doesn't it yes it does like despite like no matter what happens, like, uh, I mean, if you say, like, we're going to be friends, like, we're just friends, which is not what I said on my initial playthrough, because, oh, what I meant to say at, earlier was that the first person I pursued was Sayuri, just because I think that, like, whenever I play visual novels, I follow, like, a formula, and so I felt like it's the most natural to go with the girl who's been your friend your whole life. I guess. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It makes um, sense, yeah. Yeah, that aside, so she was the first one I pursued, so I told her, you know, like, I love you and whatever, and you get, like, this cute little art of you hugging her. And then, um, yeah, she goes on to, to kill herself, and basically the dialogue is that, like, you shouldn't have done that to her because she needed things to be normal. And then, like, if you tell her at that part we're just friends, she, like collapses and like screams and she's like i'm fine i'm fine and then she like goes home and kills herself and then like you also blame yourself for that because you're like i ignored her feelings and whatever and i was being selfish so i mean like ultimately the protagonist does have like a warped view on it anyway because it's like if somebody kills themselves then that's probably something they were struggling with and not like somebody else's fault for declaring love or not yeah (laughs) and like like the idea committing suicide over like being rejected like that's that's a super gross thing to put in your game dude i don't know what to tell you yeah but i mean it's kind of hinted at that that monica told her to kill herself um but I mean, yeah. Again, it, blaming everything that bad that happens in this game on Monica told people to do it is like discounting what these plots actually, how these things happen in real life or how they don't happen in real life. Like this yeah. is not natural. This is a fucked up way to tell a story. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's a horror game. Like we're not saying like they tried to tell a romance story and they did it bad. Like they're trying to tell yeah. like, a disturbing game about like how romances can can go wrong and how uh your like notion of of this relationship between you and the girls is like fucked up and how you should feel bad for trying to like gamify this relationships and romance but it doesn't get there it just makes me it just feels gross and sad and like it's just pitying people with mental health problems yep yeah that's kind of what i think and then i mean like we were talking about natsuki very briefly she's abused by her father and like I don't know i don't know for some reason people turn that into something it's not and i don't understand game oh god like the fans yes oh no yeah 
Fans are gross. <laughs> Abolish fans. Yeah. Let, I just want to say, uh, saying somebody is is nasty, even uh, our, our man Dan here doesn't support it, so don't do that. Thank you. Oh, people are saying that. Oh, I see. My yeah. God. No, sorry. I, I, okay. That's fucked. Yep. <laughs> like, like somebody somebody added him I, I don't know if you can edit this out if you want to but somebody added him and was like hey can you like say that natsuki is a for waifu ruining purposes this is a quote okay this is legit what this yeah. person said Bar, and then okay he responded and was like um no i'm not gonna say that because that's like super transphobic and gross and i'm not gonna contribute to that culture and the person was like okay well what's wrong with it and they were like well, if nothing was wrong with it, why would it be ruining a waifu, quote unquote? So, <laughs> stop. Uh, uh. Like, even if she is trans, which she may very well be, who knows? She's it's not, not like you can, quote unquote, clock I'm, everybody. I'm not, I'm, we're not here to, I'm not claiming that one. Yeah, me neither, but I'm just saying, <laughs> even if she is, you don't call trans people a and she's obviously not, like, a dude dressing as a girl to try to trick people to sleep with her. Like, <laughs> what? And <sighs> uh, it's bad. Y'all nasty. Bad. That's what's up. I want, uh, I want another, we talked about during our Undertale episode about how I want more games like that, that kind of make me feel warm. And think about friendship and and my relationship to the game in a, like a nice positive way, um, and then separately, I think that horror games can be used to examine, like we said earlier, like Silent Hill, like problems with with mental health in meaningful ways. I, this game tries to do both of those things, and uh, without the positivity and without the meaningfulness. And so for me, it like just kind of washed over me. I played it and I was like, eh, I felt nothing. I was like polarized completely by it, uh, and that's you know, the biggest bummer. Like, if I utterly hated it, I would have said that. I think a lot of the stuff it does, I hate, but, like, it just... <sighs> it's a, also, it's surprising yeah. to me that this game got yeah. so much traction, especially on, like, YouTube and stuff, because it definitely has that, like, uh, you're gonna, your mind is gonna be blown. Everyone's gonna tell the Let's Player that to play it normally, and then it's gonna get weird, and we're gonna see them react. Like, it has that aspect yeah. to it. Um, It's definitely a fun game to watch, I guess, but, like... Do we need that? Do we need more of that? I mean, once you play it once, know. you know everything. So, and I also mean, like, yeah. also like YouTube reacts to like Yuri stabbing herself. Like, <laughs> yeah. dude, do I really want to watch that? Yeah, yeah. You could make a point about how people liking watching this game and how crazy it is to watch these girls harm themselves is like one step away from. Logan Paul. <laughs> like, oh, I mean, yeah. It's a skip and a hop away from That's like check out this point. fucked up thing, right. or check out people react to this fucked up thing, and we're gonna like glor not glorify it, but like put a huge lens on it and like freak out. Yeah. That is the stuff that bummed me. Like, I don't know what his intentions were making this game. He clearly does have a lot of love for visual novels and also horror games. I to do those things. I am I would have been fooled. I would have finished this game and been like I actually I did finish this game and was like, this dude hates visual novels. This dude is super <laughs> this dude is super cynical about visual novels. But no, as it turns out it's quite the opposite. 
Uh, it, well, it yeah, just it seems like he has contempt more for the player and for the types of visual novels that are like really disrespectful and yeah. feel too gamey. But, it's but like, he, make a, but the, you know he is, made that. Then he made that. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So right. What I'm saying is, yeah, make a good one then. <laughs> Instead of like shining the lens on what you hate, just make the thing you like. Yeah. Fireside friends, we give the good advice. You tried. Oh man. It, yeah, it just felt. It just felt really mean spirited, of. Like of the medium, and also just of like. It assumes like the audience, like it seems, it assumes that the audience for visual novels is one type of person, like yeah. where it's it is just the dude who goes and wants to fuck the anime girl, horny boy. Yeah, and I mean, and visual novels are so much more than that. Like there are different genres, there are different people who play like different genres of visual novels, and they come in all sorts of different forms. Like exactly. it is, it's a critique of like one like uh, sort of like visual novel for sure but as but to say that is like profound as like a critique of visual novels as a whole is like really disingenuous to me yeah i mean i guess like that part definitely fell short for me because that was never my visual novel experience was to play the kind of main character that you do play in doki doki literature club because like i've always played girls or somebody who is a gay boy so (laughs) i mean i've never had that sort of i don't know desire inner desire i guess that the main character does and so like the dialogue to me was like i roll oh god this is so Uh, ridiculous It reminded me, Alan, I know we, we talked about this during segment one, but it reminded me of the visual novel game we tried to play. Realis where, there? No, the other one. I don't remember the name of it, but it oh, was Oh, the like, dinosaur one? It was like having you play the game, but then like shaming you for playing the game because you were interested in the characters. Yeah. And it was just like, what are you doing? God side, don't play this stupid game, you perv, or whatever. The uh, well, you, yeah. <laughs> And it's like, why did you make the game? Why did you make me like the characters and then make fun of me? This this took a considerable considerable amount of time to make. Why did why did you do this? If you don't want me to play, just say so. I mean, don't make it then. And I don't think this game completely goes in that direction, but it gets pretty damn close. Yeah. No, I get what you mean by that. And and you made a very very good point earlier, Ryan, about how this game assumes that the visual novel audience playing it is so specifically like straight dude, horny boy where like visual novels actually for a lot of you are like, a, like Katie was saying like a way to express your, your feelings about people that you can't in real life can communicate to or talk to. And like, it's a way to live out fantasies that don't fit the traditional, like heterosexual romance. Uh, like I want to date the girls or I want to date the boys and I identify as whatever. Like everybody likes visual novels for their own reason. We're not all just like out there to fuck. Right. <laughs> And not all of them are about fucking. Exactly. <laughs> like, in Hattiful Boyfriend, you definitely can't do the pigeons, you know? Yeah. I like the pigeon dating game, but we're not... <laughs> it's a different... That's a different thing. That's a different discussion. I'm, pl- I'm playing Valhalla right now, and it's about serving drinks to people who are fucking perverts, but you're not one of them. 
Cool. At least, at least not yet. I haven't finished it. It could go in that direction. It would, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, it wouldn't surprise me. There's a lot of questionable stuff in that game. I'm not going to talk it up. But it's pleasant because you're just like, I'm going to serve drinks and listen to your dialogue. Sometimes the dialogue's bad, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. There's more of it in five minutes. Like, yeah, it yeah. just kind of goes along. And then uh, you were talking about read-only memories also in the first segment. And like, that's a game that like takes ideas from visual novels and like does interesting things with them and adventure game things yeah. with them. Yeah. And tells a story as opposed to just being like, Man, you suck. You really just, you messed these girls up and you're a bad person for wanting to, to individually, like, selectively date all of them and pick the right choices. Like, why? Uh, I'm living out a fantasy that I like. Which, yeah, and then him, like, putting a note at the end of his game and be like, I love thanks, for pl- thanks for playing my game. Thanks for seeing all the routes. And it's like, that's, for, that's like counter to the themes of your game, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, indeed. I'm gonna. We're gonna get into more. I'm gonna play Lady Lady Killer in a Bind this year. How about that? Cool. I haven't played it yet, so yeah, I, I hear it's hella heard gay. good. Heard good things. Me yep. too. See, I am a, a kind of bit of a prude, and so like <laughs> sexual content like that, I'm like, oh lord, I need an adult. So like, even when there's, I'm playing, you know, like Dragon Age or whatever, and there's the cutscene of you kissing the character, I have to kind of look away from the screen because I'm like, oh. Katie, those are the most <laughs> chaste games in the world. It's like, it's like the Mass Effect thing where they like go up to each other in their underwear and they're like, "Wow, smooch, smooch, smooch." Cut to black. Anyways, that sex was really good. Yeah, no, I'm like, oh god. <laughs> David Cage makes a fucking sexy, and then it's just like, je suis romance. <laughs> and Katie's just like, I can't, I can't play this. No, sure, become I mean, human now. Stores. I mean, like. That's probably the only reason why I haven't played Lady Killer in a Bind yet, because I've heard such good things, and I'm actually genuinely interested in playing, but I'm like, Too horny. there's there's sex, yeah. I can't do it! I think she put out an update that would, like, cover, like, all the nudity and stuff. Yeah. I think, I think that was patched in recently. Ooh, I hadn't heard that. And, and to be honest, if I play it, it might be like that, because I also, like... There, there's, uh, there's a level I can tolerate, but also, like, I kind of want to play a game without having to worry about that stuff sometimes. So. Yeah. Like covering the screen. Yeah, that's true. Tilting my screen away from Eli. Don't look at this right now. Imagine somebody walking in on you playing Doki Doki Literature Club and, like, the... Uh, you get that... This is actually another one of those, like, things about it aesthetically that I like is uh, when Yuri starts to sort of... I guess oh, that is, I don't know a better word like than the like the humanoid parts. Yes, yeah. The, the the yeah, the eyes turning into like real life cutouts of eyes. That's a cool visual. <laughs> That's yeah. a cool like striking vibe that I liked a lot cuz it clashes perfectly with the like saccharine sweet pink primary colors uh palette of the rest of the game. Right. Um but alas, I uh-huh. I I would almost say this game's like not even worth playing. It's it's worth reading about. It's worth listening to us talk about yeah. it, but sure. I mean, if you watch a let's play of it or if you read about it, you already like you get it. You get all of the content like right yeah. there. Like I was just reading the Wikipedia plot summary because we're talking about it, and I was like, "Yeah, that's the game," and it's in like <laughs> like several very few paragraphs. Right. So I guess from the stuff that I did like that was like the really small stuff that I maybe like I probably would have 
like i wouldn't probably have that same experience like watching a let's play where it's just like deleting the character file mm-hmm. or like getting to yuri's death scene and like trying to reload over and over again only be to be taken to like a different variation of the same scene um and stuff like that like that stuff was neat but yeah i don't know those are relatively small things in the game scheme of things so yeah. Do you think the game's surprise would be cooler if they didn't throw up a big honking warning at the beginning? No, like, because hey, this is it. gonna fuck you up. Yeah. No, because because that's the most conscious thing that the game does. I <laughs> know. I was actually presently pleasantly surprised by that, and then also in like in on the store page itself, it's like this game contains like graphic, you know, yeah. disturbing images and may be unsuitable for people who are young or have depression. And anxiety. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'm actually yeah. not used to seeing like content warnings. I'm used to there being like horrible, awful content with no warnings. And then people are <laughs> like, um, excuse me. <laughs> the warning comes from the internet later telling you. Yeah. Yeah. Also, you need it because if you know what to do to get a bad ending in the first two seconds of the game, you can totally do that. And it's terrible. <laughs> Wait, what do you do? You basically delete, uh, when you start the game fresh, delete, uh, Monica. Yeah, if you... Uh, and then, and then Sire would freak out. Oh, uh, whoa. In, in the first scene, yep. she'd be like, she'd be like, what is happening? Make this stop, make it stop. And then the game force closes, and then you open it back up, and it's like a black and white screen with Sire, like, hung. Yep. Oh, and my it, God. It plays, like, this, uh, like, looping audio of like radio static and it's just her like hung in black and white like uh drifting across the screen yep uh and i think you have to reinstall the game yep you do i did that so, <laughs> so yeah <laughs> so yeah well that's, that's fucking a, gruesome <laughs> yep. that's the thing i if you want to be like i want i want to like watch someone like walk in on like i would like i would never do this but like somebody would do this of just like getting that ending leaving it on the computer and just walking away i mean like well that's the game that's it i'm just gonna leave it on the screen <laughs> okay. which is a terrible thing to do don't do it but in that same vein i saw somebody who made a christmas tree ornament out of um no <laughs> yeah. no no yeah it was just a oh. sayori like hanging herself and what they the made it a christmas tree ornament and put it on the tree no uh. gold memes finally i want to say shout out to at katie on twitter our friend katie this my friend podcast co-host for uh because when i started playing this game I was like, I'm kind of liking this game. I'm enjoying this different route. And I knew I knew it got dark. I didn't know anything about it. And then Katie messaged and added me and was like, I really liked Monica. Just pretty much only Monica. And Monica was my favorite. <laughs> and at the time, I was like, all right, Katie, I get it. You like this character a lot. That's great. Yeah. And then I, I, I like resent you that tweet like a month later when I finished. And I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> Why did you do this to me? Uh... You're like, I'm so proud of myself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the long game right there. Oh man, play more, play yeah. nicer original, play more original novels that are like good and fun, and warm, and play better horror games. Alan, yeah. what's good? After I play Valhalla, I will probably play Phoenix Wright. 
Yes! We need. We should play Phoenix Wright at approximately the same time. Yes, we should. Let's do it. We're making it happen. That'll be super fun. Fuck yeah. I played the first Phoenix Wright. It's amazing. I love it. I'll play it again. Okay. I still need to play it. Yep, yeah. I love it. You go to a zoo? Um, this is a zoo. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I love animals. I do, too. I have an idea for a game. All right. <clears throat> Clear my throat. So... Count Dooku. Oh God. Oh. Count Count Dooku. Count Dooku. Dooku Dooku Literature Club. Oh, oh my God. No. no so no. it's your it's your the three it's the Count Dooku from the prequel trilogy. Uh-huh. It's the Count Dooku from the two D Clone Wars, and it's the it's the Count Dooku from the three D Clone Wars. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then, then to make and then to make the twist super obvious. Emperor Palpatine's there as Monica. Okay. Like, like <laughs> oh my! It's, it's the three, the three girls, and then like the bad one, which is Emperor Palpatine. Um, yeah. And uh, you're playing as Anakin, and no matter what you do, the the like you're getting you're getting to know all the Dooku's, but no matter what happens, you always end up with Palpatine because Palpatine controls everything. Beautiful. That's my pitch. That's my game pitch. Wow. I love it. And it's called I, I Am the Senate. <laughs> <laughs> I did that seemed too good to not exist, and I Googled Dooku Dooku Literature Literature Club and got nothing. So Whoa! You better get some sort of like trademark on this. <laughs> get sued by Disney. Yeah. Definitely yeah, found this... a giant bomb list of all the games that Count Dooku's in though, which is very good. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> I should just take the asses from those games and put it in this visual novel. Yep. yep. All of them. Uh, yeah. That's Is that my gonna pitch. be it? I think we hit everything. Yeah, I think so. Yuri likes knives, and it sucks. Yeah, there's I that. Know. There's oh my that. God. There's her date. Her freaking date scene. At one point, like she cuts. You know, you take a knife and you accidentally cut herself, and then she fucking puts. Yeah, she fucking licks her, your she finger. Licks your <laughs> she licks Why? the blood off. <laughs> And that's the normal part of the game. I know. <laughs> Nobody does that. I know. Well, she's obsessed with blood and cutting herself Ugh. and she's creepy and uh, yeah. But the way it's happened was like, oh, I I I accidentally like licked the blood off your fingers. Hee <laughs> hee. Cute. <laughs> that's how you get bloodborne pathogens. <laughs> Get tested first. Come on. Get tested for anime. Oh. <laughs> okay. I was gonna say, an, I was gonna talk about anime, but that's a different. We'll, we'll, that's later. That's for later. That's for the after show. Um, Ryan, can we do some plugs? Ooh, plugs. Hello. Hi. Hello. It's the plug zone. So next month, we are watching a movie, and that movie is going to be. The Circle, which is a film based on a novel by Dave Eggers, which I have read uh, a few years ago as part of uh, college, like freshman year. They made us read The Circle. It's a bad book. I don't recommend anybody read it, but there's a movie <laughs> about it. They made they. It was good enough to get a movie about it, which... Uh, it stars It stars Emma Watson and John Boyega and Tom Hanks. 
and I'm interested in seeing what this movie is. The book has very like bad and graphic sex scenes that I know aren't in the film. I don't know what else they changed. <laughs> I'm, in- I'm interested because one, it tries to do like dystopian stuff uh, in a way. Like it makes it tries to do like interesting stuff regarding that stuff. And also just examining the ways that it doesn't work is interesting to me only because a lot of people seem to like the source material and I don't understand why. And I would be interested in picking apart the circle and its film for the podcast. Sounds like Um, a plan. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we're doing that. The circle is on Amazon prime. Um, it's also like you can get it on YouTube or like Redbox or whatever, but uh, yeah, that's it came out last year too. So we'll see how that goes. Fireside friends, sometimes we cover new stuff. That's right. <laughs> sometimes we cover new stuff because it's interesting to look at. Um, and yeah, uh, you can find the podcast Twitter account at podcast fireside uh there you can find updates on the show etc and for me you can find me on twitter at taco detective uh alan what about you where can people find you on the online did you just say on the online yes (laughs) i've i love it i feel like i said that once and ryan was like why'd you say that This is great. Um, Hi, hello. I'm Alan. I can be found on Twitter at Alan Ibrahim. It's spelled A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. And if you want to hear my voice on another podcast, you can listen to me talk about Aaron Sorkin's terrible, god-awful, bad, bad show called The Newsroom on Chats of Television podcast. Right now, we're watching The Newsroom two episodes a week. We're going to have a guest on uh, for this next episode. We're cranking through it. We're almost done with season one. It's a bad show. Our podcast is fun. Enjoy it. He says coke weirdly. That joke will make sense if you listen to it. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, And Katie, what about you? Um, You can find me at Cedar Grave, which is like the tree and the hole in the ground. Yeah, so um, (laughs) that's my username everywhere. And you can find my art there. I'm totally on the grid. And there's me. There's Katie. (laughs) Wow, you Uh, sound so excited. (laughs) <laughs> I, i'm tired <laughs> it's been a day um alan just get, get us out of here <laughs> thanks so much for listening everybody good luck out there and don't forget to take care of yourselves bye-bye bye stay woke <laughs> This podcast is being hosted on the Abnormal Mapping Podcast Network. Visit abnormalmapping.com and check out our other shows, including Abnormal Mapping. Been a long time. Good episode 69. Some would say it's fun. Second Officer Slog. It's the peak Star Trek. Star Trek. The Amory score. Hey, Claudio, stop. 
got this, Claudio. Novel not new. How, how many endings are we looking at for this one? I, th- I think there are one ending. <laughs> okay, so I think we'll probably be able to see all of them each. Yeah, no, I think so. <laughs> and Fireside Friends. 37 is the age of the fictional character that I just made up. Oh, what's their backstory? They're 37. Oh, man. If you like what you hear, back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. There, you can gain access to exclusive essays and listen to our backer-exclusive podcast, The Great Gundam Project. Where me and Jackson watch every Gundam show ever made. Abnormal Mapping, a podcast network for the rest of us.